0: Thanks for tuning in to the Texas Family Law Podcast, where we provide you tips and insight to help you navigate divorce and child custody situations. This is Brian Walters. And I'm Jake Gilbreth. We are the managing partners at Walters-Gilbreth PLLC with offices in Houston, Austin, and Dallas. And we're both board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization.
1: Your hosts are broadcasting from the Lone Star State of Texas where both have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates both inside and outside the courtroom.
0: Hi, this is brian walters i'm here with andrew speer from our dallas office and we're going to talk about something that's been in the news a lot especially recently which are cryptocurrencies andrew you want to just introduce yourself for briefly about your sure where you went to school your legal background and that kind of thing and then we'll get into this
1: interesting topic absolutely my name is andrew speer as brian said i'm up here in the dallas office i went to law school at smu graduated in 2015 before that i did my undergrad at uc san diego I've been practicing family law. I clerked at a family law firm for two years in law school and I've been practicing ever since, I guess the last five years, six years.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's back up. So what is a currency? So back in the caveman days, if you wanted a a leg of um, prehistoric bison, you might go to the next cave and say, all right, I want some bison. And they'd say, okay, we need some apples so go get us a bushel of apples and you'd have to if you want to make that trade you had to go find a bunch of freaking apples find a Mm -hmm. bushel yep and then (laughs) drag them over to the these folks and then hope they still wanted to make that deal or the bison leg hadn't gone bad for what better or worse when our societies became more organized governments began creating actually not just governments but generally that's the case creating currencies which is a method of exchange so If I wanted a bison leg, rather than having to go get apples, I could hand them a hundred dollars or seashells or or pieces of uh, wood or whatever the currency was. And initially, um, that tended to be very simple things, pieces of, of actually seashells was an example of a former currency. And then um, as societies got further organized, they, they started to have uh, currency like coins and eventually paper money. And it some it, generally for a long period of time, if anybody was going to believe that this currency or money was worth anything, it had to be backed by something of tangible value, silver, gold, for example. Mm-hmm. You can actually trace the decline of the Roman Empire by the percentage of silver in their currency. Basically, as their society declined, they started to put, went from 100% silver in their coins down to 10% by the end. And then the most advanced societies, such as ours in the United States, have stopped using dollar, gold, or silver to back their currencies quite a time ago. And we now just These pieces of paper that we pass back and forth are literally, actually they're pieces of linen, um, but they're pieces of uh, something that are not, if I took that and said, wait a second, I want something real for this and went over to the federal government, they'd look at me funny and say, you have it in your hand. And the problem with that is similar to the Roman Empire where Governments can play games with that. I lived in Germany as West Germany as a kid growing up a little bit and wandered through a flea market at one point and saw a German, an old piece of German paper currency that was for $1 trillion or 1 <laughs> trillion Reichsmarks actually, since it was Germany and dated 1932. And I thought that's really bizarre. And sure enough, the German government, long story why, Uh, bad consequences as a result, different podcast. Mm -hmm. It started just printing money on a printing press and because they couldn't meet their obligations and eventually the more money they printed, the less each one became worth and eventually essentially destroyed the economy. And that's a problem. And so tell us a little bit about how cryptocurrencies came to be and what problem they're attempting to address.
1: It depends on the currency, but let's talk Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin's the big one everyone knows about. Bitcoin has a finite number of units. Right now you have miners, they essentially are verifying transactions and getting paid a fee. But no matter what, there can never be more than I don't remember what the number is, 2 million or 2 billion of them. So the inflation rate there is very low. It's eventually one day it'll be it's going to be treated like gold, right? There's a finite number of it and that scarcity is what makes it important. And then with that scarcity, the way, eventually, I would imagine you run into your trillions problem is, they you smell you do smaller and smaller units, right? And so with Bitcoin, they're named after the founder Satoshi. So you get smaller units, Satoshi. But that's getting off topic. It's scarcity. There's a finite number of them. With Well, let me ask you, is this something the
0: government has put together? No. Okay. So for the first time in a really long time, we have something other than Mm -hmm. a government creating a currency. Is that right? A
1: hundred percent. And they don't even know who really did it. He's this phantom author of a white paper. And there's been multiple people claiming to be the author, but none of them can ever back it up.
0: actually So... Just as a really basic level, because I don't understand it very well, but I'm sure I'm I'm about to, (laughs) is there a, can I go to a bank or to a building and get a Bitcoin, like a physical something?
1: No, but you could, let me explain what it is first. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. So think about your dollar bill, right? It has a serial number on it. So each dollar bill is actually unique, right? Now, if you were to make that digital, what's the problem you run into You can copy it. I could photocopy that same dollar bill and give it to everyone. And then I've just destroyed its worth. What they do with Bitcoin is they have that unique identifier, but it's secret. Okay. And it changes each time it changes hands. And so you can't copy it. And that's called a private key. And then you have your public key, your public address is where you receive it at. Now, that private key, right, You could, it's called a, it's called a paper wallet. You could write that down on paper or have it printed out and then you could exchange that, that's not a very good way to do it. I wouldn't recommend anyone do that. Some people carve it into steel that's, or they have all these different unique quote unquote paper wallets that aren't even made out of paper, but you can't go to a bank and walk out with Bitcoin because the second, if anyone takes a picture of it, they can steal it. That's the issue. Okay,
0: so if there's a finite number, let's just yeah. pick, say there's a million bitcoins. Sure. If I'm mining it, which I understand mm-hmm. involves computers, you can probably yes. explain that a little bit more.
1: How can I mine something that's finite? Oh, it's baked into it, the cost. So first there's going to be there's going to be like a transaction fee essentially. But every mine mine operator what they're really doing is confirming the transaction. Let's say I send you a private key and they confirm that and they confirm it all the way back to the original one. Cause what you're doing is you're splitting them and, and that's the chain. And you confirm it in a block. That's why they call called blockchain. So uh, you're confirming it after that, once we're done with the actual mining part of it, it's called proof of work algorithm. Then you're just paying a fee. And it's going to be baked into your, when I transfer it to you, I'm going to lose a certain amount to the guy who's verifying it. Okay. Yeah. And so, what is to
0: stop, and let me back up and say this is in some way a sure. competitor to, our, to a government who has a monopoly on the creation of money, or at mm-hmm. least certain types of money, currencies. What is to stop the government or some government from saying, nope, they're illegal, we're going to confiscate them, give them all to me, or they're worthless. What would stop that from happening?
1: First, they have to find it. So there's some currencies, they're they're called privacy coins, and not all of them are really truly private, but some of them have multiple, they call them rings. So there's multiple codes, multiple keys. One of the keys will tell you, the amount you're sending, and one will say who it's going to, and then you have to be able to decipher those. And once, if you have the correct information, then you receive it. And so it's very hard for the difficult, it's very difficult for the government to decipher that it's really for anyone. And so they have entire networks of that that's built and the government actually tries to ban those. And one of them is Monero and they haven't been very successful at that because what I can do is I can just send it straight to you. I don't need the government. I can just enter your information as long as that network is up and running somewhere in the world and my internet connection can connect to it they can't do anything
0: okay so let now let's uh-huh. talk about why we're discussing this on a sure. family law podcast people buy and sell cryptocurrencies correct oh they do and yeah. so in a, in a divorce you the value or existence of that cryptocurrency is important to determine correct yes and because it's complex, as we've been discussing, Mm -hmm. that can be difficult to do or uh, difficult to do properly. Am I correct? Absolutely. Okay. And so what are some examples of, or or just an example of a problem that might occur on either side, the person who owns it or the person who doesn't own it, the other spouse?
1: First is when people use cash values. That's mistake one that everyone needs to stop doing. You need to treat it as if it's a stock and you're trading shares. You need to do units when you're dividing. Because one, they're all over the place. And two, you don't know how else you're going to divide it besides sending units. You want me to send you $20,000? What's it worth today? What's it worth tomorrow? Another problem people have is if when they make trades or they buy or sell, if they don't keep a record of it, because that record, it's much like tracing any other property. I can follow everything back, but I need to you know, prove I started at step one. And so there's something, everyone should keep their public addresses, keep track of them. And then what other mistakes people make? Forgetting their passwords is a big one, Uh, especially, so let's say you have what's called a hardware wallet. It looks like a USB key, okay? And that has a little password on it. And if you forget that on a lot of them, on your third try, it's gonna wipe the whole thing, okay? And what do you do if that happens? You need what's called a seed key. And a seed key is 24 words. And that's really what your public address is. That one key can have multiple things and I can enter that into a new one and all of my coins will reappear there, but everyone loses that. When they lose the seed key and they lose the password, that's when you end up with these stories in the news of someone losing $70 million. And so if a party has cryptocurrency, then they they lose both of those. There, there's literally no way to get it back. Okay, so
0: mm-hmm. there there could be two sure. problems here that I see. If I, for example, I read in the newspaper last week that there's a German guy who lives in San Francisco who can't find the key, their codes, or yeah. for $252 million of this. Yes. So that's a problem. So one problem could be that you legitimately lost, you were the investor, you mm-hmm. legitimately lost that information, keys, and you lost, therefore, your your cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. but your spouse is saying, oh, no, you have it, you have it, you're just ha- pretending to not do it. And then you get stuck with something you don't own. And the yeah. other and your spouse gets the big windfall. That's mm-hmm. one problem. Am I correct?
1: Re- yeah, they get reconstitute it. Right? And
0: then the second problem, I think probably much more common would be the one spouse who does not understand this or even know what's going on mm-hmm. or under or have any sense of it goes into a divorce, the knowledgeable spouse who's investing gives them some limited information, or like you said, gives them a dollar number rather than units yeah. or some other set of mistakes. And they walk out of there with a fraction of what they should have and and probably will never figure out that they were screwed. Is that?
1: Yes. And one way that could happen is there's it, it's called a token, but uh, there's think about it is like a sub coin. Okay, so if there is this main network of Ethereum, I can trade other coins over that network. And so if you don't find that, if you don't actually follow the correct protocol to identify everything, those you can actually see those and you might be awarded part of it, but not all of it. Or maybe I get to keep my 20 Ethereum and you don't know that I've actually got another 200 grand in these smaller tokens underneath it.
0: That can happen. Okay, that sounds like a bad situation. We could go into this a lot more, obviously, but I wanted to give everybody a broad overview of things so that they had a general sense of it. If anybody has further questions, we'll put some writing up on our website in more detail about this, or feel free to call us if you're in a situation where this has become an issue, and we'll be happy to help. Thank you.